breakfast. The DL Debate with Sister Sarah's Letterkenny, serving food you'll love till 9pm daily in Sarah's Kitchen. And there's free admission entertainment every weekend. Welcome to the DL Debate with me, your host, Brendan Navelli. This is your weekly G radio show and podcast. Many, many thanks for tuning in and what was another huge weekend of, of GA action. Uh, I was down at Crow Park Saturday and Sunday to watch the inaugural Talchon Cup and, of course, Derry against Galway. Uh, I caught up with Cian Mackey, Cavan's uh, former footballer, former All-Star. Um, a disappointed Cian Mackey after the lost to Westmeath. Um, after that, we had Derry's game against Galway. Joining me later on the show to discuss that is Gaelic Life's correspondent, uh, Michael McMullen. And on Sunday then, uh, I actually caught the junior final, uh, junior football final. It was Kilkenny against New York with Fanad and Donegal, former Fanad and Donegal footballer Paddy McConaughey in the backroom team. Kilkenny coming out on top of that. Well done to the Cats. Well done, Paddy. Um, after that, we've seen one of the games of the year. Full house at Crow Park. An epic encounter between the two best sides in the country. And uh, Dublin and Kerry really going at it, and uh, Kerry coming out on top. It was a fantastic game. After that match, I caught up with former Kerry manager and All Ireland winning player Eamon Fitzmaurice. But first of all, top billing has to go to an unbelievable performance at the weekend from Donegal ladies taking out the Dubs in the All Ireland quarter finals. A massive game for Maxi Kern and the ladies setting up a semi final against Meath this Saturday at headquarters and I'm joined now by former County Star and Highland Radio Pundit Maureen O'Donnell Yeah Mo what a victory sum it up for us Yeah you said it Brendan what a performance um, God it was incredible just to watch and we're through to the semi-finals now against Meath a repeat of the league final in Crow Park next Saturday so uh, just uh, sum it up I Listen, talk about the buzz that was there in Craig and Shannon on Saturday. It was just unbelievable. Uh, you know, you couldn't really say that it was a shock because this Donegal team have definitely proven in the past that they, they are capable of the big day performances, you know. But judging on performance, I know I talked to you during the week that it was going to be very hard to, to, to call. And I thought that maybe the, the defeat of the Ulster final against Armagh was going to be far too much to overcome. But... Hey, this this group of girls just did it in style, and it just goes to show that the talent and ability that is among the fifteen players and the people that come off the bench as well, which we will talk about as well, Brendan. But unbelievable victory! It was just absolutely uh, amazing, and nothing less than the girls deserved at this stage, Brendan. Yeah, and well, you talked about the build up to the game, you know, and me, myself and yourself spoke last week about it, about tactics and 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 looking ahead, and this this game was potentially in Donegal, you know. Whether it was going to come out or not, we weren't 100% sure, but it did and it was brilliant. But just more the, I suppose, overall coverage of the game, but disappointing more. And, you know, is it, is it really down to, I suppose, scheduling that this game was on the same weekend or all these games was on on the same day and not given kind of top billing, particularly with All-Ireland um, semi-final week on, on me, if it was, or, or um, uh, Mo, it was a bit of a, I suppose, a clash of games that we didn't need because this was one of the biggest, uh, I would say it was the biggest day ever, uh, I remember, in ladies' football because we had these brilliant uh, quarterfinals all on. But, of course, you had, of course, most of the TV cameras pointing towards uh, uh, Crow Park and, and particularly the Talton Cup and the and All-Ireland Semi. 
Yeah, listen, I think coverage is always going to be something that uh, needs to be discussed further when it comes to the ladies' game. And yeah, it's, it's a case of fighting for uh, coverage at this stage. Like, July is a very, very busy month in terms of the All-Ireland Men's Series, you know, the, uh, the All-Ireland Women's at senior level, intermediate and junior. And then, like... Uh, the hurling as well is trying to take uh, take part in that, and I know TG Car do the best, you know, to cover the games. But some of the games, like the quarterfinals, were only streamed on YouTube, where a lot of people wouldn't have access to that. You know, they're looking for the big day games on the likes being live on TG Car, uh, our own Donegal, the Donegal semi final. I know a lot of fans would have missed out on that because it was streamed on live on YouTube. And you know, like some people just aren't up to date with technology, and they're expecting these games on on TV. But as well as that, there you're nearly choosing which games you're going to have, probably prevented a lot of people from travelling to Kerry Shannon to see the game live on Saturday when the men's uh, Derry Galway game was on in the afternoon they maybe probably chose to stay at home and watch that but mm. thankfully you know we covered well in Highland there as well uh, Brenda but of it course. is it's a shame that we're, we're <laughs> fighting for coverage yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Oh, listen well Brenda it uh, really annoyed me I was on the motorway and it was absolutely chaos right and I was trying to put, put you on yeah. the phone and it kept because there was so many people on the motorway. It must have been killing the the the, the, the coverage, you know. The so it would only, yeah. it would, it would only yeah. keep coming for a second. I'd have to keep hitting the button. It was driving me absolutely mental. <laughs> but I, I could just, you know, she were talking, and I was like, "Oh, stop!" Anyway, but well, well, just and then we were cut out. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, we can't have you been cut out. No, that's not on. But well, do, do you know what? Do you know what I was, was going to say to you? And, and listen, before we get to the game, I'm fascinated to get get your breakdown in the game of of how it went, but. Just when we're on the fixtures, Mo, why is this game the semi-final next week? I mean, this is a massive, massive game. All-Ireland quarter-final, you mean, we've, we've a whole summer to, 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 to play the All-Ireland series. You know, you want the girls to enjoy yeah. Saturday, take it down, you know, yourself maybe have at least this week and then build up the All-Ireland semi-final. Do you know what the reason is behind that? Yeah, it's, it's very quick turnaround for sure. Um, you know, I think... Uh, it's something that managers have been discussing over the last while. Like Mick Bohan himself like spoke earlier on there in COVID. These changes come in as a result of COVID and they, they revamped the whole thing that they would get the cl- the county championship of the All-Ireland series over at the end of July so that then the girls could concentrate on uh, back with their clubs then football then from uh, August on you know I think that's maybe a big reason for it but you know it, it really cuts the season very short at, at all Ireland level and, and, and for the county girls and you know like August is a relatively quiet month and it's probably a better month maybe to get games played for the all Ireland Diddy series but listen they're all the time trying to change it around maybe uh, maybe it's something to do with the coverage in TG Cahar it's hard to know what it is uh, Brendan to be yeah. honest but I think mostly this year it's so that the girls can get back into club championship you know you know, like you've got a bunch of girls there playing. Um, the, the look at the tournament girls in the Grand Fantasy. There's a lot of girls out from their panel, and they're playing league football all year without their county players. So it's nice to get them back in then as well. Yeah. And listen, Mick Bowen said, as, as I was going to say, he spoke about it during COVID. He says the quick turnaround of games is, suits them, and it suits a lot of managers. They're just boom, 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 rather than these long periods between games. But you and I both know, like, uh, there's not a lot you can do in this one week period now, yeah. uh, apart from rest, you know, maybe and talk but strategy. No, but no, they're supposed talk, to, I suppose all the training's gone at this stage. Oh, and listen, I agree. I just think well, in, in the season that it is, you, quarterfinal and semi-final, there has to be a week in between. And I just think, with, you know, recovery yeah. and, and training aside... Let the girls let their hair down a bit and enjoy themselves. You know, should they not? You know, you've beaten Dublin. It's a massive yeah. game, but straight away it's recovery and it's back in. And I think what you're doing there is you're not giving them. And a manager will always say, "Oh, we don't mind, we don't mind." And I know it's the same for everybody else, Mo. But I just feel that 
you know, yeah. what's the point in playing uh, sometimes amateur sport without having a wee bit of time to enjoy it and, and kind of savour that bit? And I'm just, I couldn't believe that, that the semi finals have fallen weak. But anyway, it is, it is, it is yeah. no, and listen, yeah. you know, listen, that is what it is. Uh, and I agree. Like, I was just thinking about it coming on the road there. Like, it's going to be a massive weekend of football, the two, the two semi finals, and then the Hurling final on it at, at, at the weekend as well. So, you know, but as you say, I know, enjoy the media coverage, enjoy the buzz, you know, um, yeah. off that. But listen, if the girls get through um, on, on Saturday, you've got a two week gap then to the final, so yeah. which is good, thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good stuff. Well, listen, yeah. you've played in a lot of big games yourself. There's a lot of great days in, in, in the Donegal jersey. Where, where does this rank in, in, in one of Donegal's best performances ever? Best victories? Uh, listen, hey, uh, you know, um, no, I will I hold my hand up and say, you know, I probably rubbed the girls off a little bit too early judging on their performance. But I always knew that this, this group of girls have a special talent. Like, oh, you look at their 15 players named on any day um, they're super talented they've always had it like, and, and the, la- the, the last day's performance I'm just so delighted for the girls and, and, and for the management team because you know Maxi himself you know he's very professional I've always talked about it he come on there he's maybe five five years in the job now and, and, and this is definitely going to rank as one of the most special victories for him like they have beaten the dubs in the past there's no doubt about it he, he said during the, uh, an, an interview past there they have two league games over them now and two championship games over the dubs and 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 like Donegal are definitely a team to be feared going forward. As you said earlier on, it always came down to could they play for the sixty minutes? They could they play for the full game of football? And they proved that. And as far as I'm concerned, they're definitely a team that um, other the other three uh, the other counties now will be fearing. Like and I'm definitely in top and the top four. But it's a really special performance. Um, from uh, from number one to fifteen, and the subs who come off the bench, you couldn't fault any of the girls. Their performance the last day, and they were all playing different roles, and, yeah. and perhaps that's what it took, you know. Yeah, well, you just you just hit the nail yeah. on the head about the sixty minutes. The last day you were talking about Donegal letting having to come back from 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 you know poor starts and chasing teams, and once they hit the groove, then they they look brilliant. And why can't we address that? So that was addressed in this game. It was Donegal who who bossed the first half and and really you know eliminated mm. that Dublin attack. I mean. They just kept them to, to, to a point in that in them early stages. Mo, when you're just looking at, at at that, I suppose settling into the game, you're not chasing a lead. And then when team thought Dublin was going to come out of second half, it was Donegal who who upped ante second half. So it was, a, as yeah. you said, that that sixty minute performance that that you spoke about, and, and I suppose Maxi and his team were were keen to get. We we got that, and he's seen the best of Donegal over the game. Yeah, and it's probably largely due to you know uh, Maxie and his backroom staff sitting down. Like one thing about Maxie, he can he 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 definitely has the ability to set up the game for the big day teams, you know, and uh, it's something that he's very very good at. And you know, I'm just glad that it came it came and came right in the in the right side of the result this time. But uh, as you say, yeah, they settled very well into the game, you know. Dublin only got one score and that only came from a placed ball you know Hannah Terrell's free kick in the first half so going on it in the first half first half Dublin would have been reeling you know from their performance as well but Donegal simply didn't let them play they were excellent in defence and apart from giving away that one free they were pushing them way outside the D to shoot and Dublin just you suppose they got an momentum of missing, you know, in the first half, and they couldn't get things right. And then you were you were coming out in, in the second half, you know, from a Donegal point of view, and you had Karen Guthrie sitting on the line. Um, 
you know, and, and, and other really good players ready to come off the bench and you just thought, what are Donegal going to throw at Dublin now? They really need to start well and to be fair to the girls, they, they had an excellent start to the second half. Everything was going right and they were really building on momentum, uh, you know, uh, Brendan, so it just like from there it went and they got scores on the board and of course the introduction of Karen Guthrie really rose the crowd and, and the people on uh, and the girls on the field and Amy Boyle Carr was fantastic, you know, she was she was hitting the flanks of the field and she was she was she was doing runs that you know they couldn't catch her and that goal came from a, a run that she made deep within her own half you know uh, she was chased at the time by Hatton Nolan from Dublin but she just couldn't even catch her and the great vision from Amy Valcar to send the ball inside to Yvonne Bonner and you just knew at that stage where the ball was going to be and that was the real turning point in the game for Donegal you know the crowd and even the, the atmosphere that was in, uh, around Carrigan Channel was amazing and they went further on then and got two more goals as a result of that it was just outstanding but it was really you could say a fluke goal because Donegal the defence was just amazing they were, they were outstanding out in their feet they were brilliant yeah Mo you, you talked about Maxi not set up and set up for the big teams Mo and that that, that first half first Mo just, just describe us how a game ends up 4-1 like that you know um, did, did Dublin have a, a decent amount of possession but we were just packed in there how did we keep them because we often see high scoring games in, in, in the ladies game but when you see a 4-1 half time score was it was it was it was it poor enough watching Mo, or was it just the way Donegal had set it up to do that first half, make sure we're not chasing it, and then unleash, as I say, that that forward play and and, and particularly Karen from from the bench. Yeah, listen, I would say it was set up exactly that, like that. You know, like Dublin knew what they were going out against uh, in terms of Donegal, the pace and the quality of forwards uh, and the likes of Geraldine Yvonne and Karen, you know, and Maeve McLaughlin, you know, really ran the show from midfield. And I think Dublin made a huge mistake and it probably cost them the game. Um, no, that's not taken away from Donegal's performance because they just didn't let the dubs play but Mike Bohan decided to put uh, Sinead Goldrick um, she's won eight All-Stars in nine seasons you know she's a fantastic centre-half back took her out of centre-half back to me had a field day there you know she just I'd say Sinead Goldrick got an eye into, an eye opening into, into the kind of quality of player that Neve McLaughlin is, you know, she's super, super talented. As I say, she was the playmaker for Donegal. She was on nearly every ball and she was smart enough to take Goldie out of it at times as well. And that took Sinead Goldrick out of the, the Dublin defence, which allowed Donegal maybe to get some of those important scores on the board. Like So, listen... It was um, relatively slow to start. There's no doubt about it. You know, yeah. when you have a scoreline of 4-1, it's the typical defensive style football, you know, that we're used to seeing. And Donegal set up that way. But the thing is, Donegal were able to break out the field and, and their, their fitness levels, you know, I think I questioned, will they be able to sustain that that, that type of running now for the full game? And you know what? They just were like, but Karen Guthrie said in an interview after the game that she looked at the girls at half time and they were absolutely out in the seat. Them to be able to come out and play another thirty minutes in the style that they did, like it's, it's, there's no question about their fitness levels. There's no question about their abilities. They're definitely on form now for like to get to their first All Ireland All Ireland final for yeah. sure. And you know we're just hoping that's going to be the case. Yeah, listen, needs must be tactic sometimes. Um, and you know I don't like counter attack. I don't like that. But if you're a team that can't get across the line in a, a certain game, particularly quarter final, and you're playing against a team which has. <laughs> 
you know, boss the competition for a while. You you can understand that, and then as long as you can break and you get your victory, that's different. Like if Donegal they won the All Ireland, let's hope they do, and then they're playing a side which is less than them, and they set up like that there, and is is the folly and the tactics I think most. So listen, phenomenal. And you you mentioned obviously Mo Meath in, yeah. in the league final. Yeah. What what have what have we learned? I mean, Meath just about getting across the line against Galway by a point, you know, a late score. Is that the <coughs> stuff of champions? Is, is there a wee bit of metal in them? You're saying they, they lost a few players this year, uh, Molo. Um, no, they haven't lost players, but they, they're they're going to they're potentially going to lose some players now to uh, the uh, the Australian Football League. Um, haven't gone and, yet, uh, right, right. No, they haven't gone yet, so they're still there. But you know, as I said, like that, you know, upsets maybe the run of form. With girls looking forward to say, you know, what kind of team we're going to have in the future and things like that of, of right. some of their team is going. But listen, uh, you know, you also talked. I want to mention this as well about. The change up in form of the All Ireland over the years—it's a wide open now at the minute. Like, but Meath are a team that inspired other teams to do that, you know. And you see the likes of Kerry coming up now. They're in the semi-final. Kerry weren't in the running at all in the quarterfinals last year. They're in the semi-final against Mayo now next year or next weekend, and they're 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 playing outstanding at the minute as well. There's a lot of talent on show there. But listen, Meath are tired looking, you know. Uh, they're not breaking forward as as quick at, uh, as quick a pace. As they were, uh, they were very lucky to get over the line against Galway. That, that's the truth. I, was, you know, I guess Emma Duggan was on the ball in the last nine seconds of the game, and she took a pot shot and I cut off the crossbar. And you didn't know it was going to stay out or stay in, and it just happened to go over the bar and like the hooter went. So Galway will be devastated to be out there on that. So Galway definitely challenged them and put it up to them. Thing about uh, Donegal going in against Meath now at the weekend. Donegal lost out very narrowly in the All Ireland, or sorry, in the league final uh, back a couple of months ago, and they'll be, you know, it was a, a day maybe where Donegal left it behind. But I think what they'll bring from that game is that they know now how close they were to Meath. Uh, you know, it was only two points in the end, but it was definitely a game that Donegal I felt could have won, and it was the first time that I had seen Donegal really. Playing very well for the first time that year, uh, this year, and uh, I was very impressed with their performance. Do I think they can do it on on Saturday? I absolutely believe they can. I think there's huge cracks showing, uh, and and the defence even from uh, and Meath's defence, and some of the big players just aren't playing as well. But listen, everybody rises for semi final. I think it's going to be a cracking game of football, Brendan. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you'll be there, Mo, no doubt. And yeah. listen, Mo, now, going up the road, yeah. you, as you mentioned there, some phenomenal performances, giving our, our, our girls some great confidence going on that. And of course, the Karen Guthrie tactic works so brilliantly, Mo. I've rarely seen uh, someone come off the bench and hit 2 yeah. 1. I mean, in a game where Donegal hit yeah. 3 7, they had come off the bench and hit 2 1. I mean, phenomenal stuff for her. Yeah. And then you've left, you're, you're going to have Meath guessing now. And if, if she doesn't start now, I mean, what a player to come in the wide open spaces of Crow Park. Yeah, and she's got a wealth of experience behind her, and uh, you know, it's, it's you and I both know coming off the bench isn't very. It's not an easy thing to do. I was you never know. on the bench. Uh, I, really? be I was never on the bench. <laughs> <you thought. laughs> well, sorry, you were never on the bench. Oh no, I no, no, uh, no, 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 no everybody's been on the bench. I'm only joking. <laughs> I think I was even on the bench in Maxie's day, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think you'd be really <laughs> you'd be really known to get on the field, and you know, it probably ups your performance when you see everybody else playing. Well, you know, you want to get in there and you want to you want to perform well and you want to do well. And certainly, Karen did that. She didn't leave behind out there. You know, uh, what can I say? Scored two one. 
Um, she took a fabulous point of her left foot, and you know that's great to have a, a left footer on the feet as well in terms of uh, the dead ball. But Atlas and Karen's a super super player. Um, she's an inspiration, and her presence on the field. For, for the girls to see her coming on at that stage. It was the turning point in the game. There's no doubt about that. Um, and whether they go with that tactic, but you, as you say, they'll leave me thinking about it. And maybe for the first time, me are usually ones who concentrate in their own game. They try to get that defensive setup set up right, you know, and uh, they don't tend to worry about other teams, but they certainly be worried about Donegal going in now on a Saturday because Donegal have a lot to offer in terms of pace and ability and skill on the ball. And hopefully Donegal can take their scores from far out, you know, to try and or even run at that uh, 15 man defence that may generally set up and maybe get some scores from freeze and stuff, you know, but yeah. hopefully just settle down into the game early. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, Mo. And listen, we encourage everybody to get yeah. down to Crow Park, support the girls if you can. Of course, Oshin and Mo, of course, will be uh, will be covering the action. Fair play to to Maxi, his whole backroom team, because of some effort and what all the girls have been doing. The sacrifices have been made. So listen, fully behind our, our ladies, tilted all Ireland against Meath this week, Mo. So as I say, either get down there or or tune into yourself and, and Oshin and listen to action. Yeah, absolutely, and wishing all the girls in the backroom staff all the best, and uh, yeah, let's look forward to the to the weekend ahead. Yep, good stuff, Mo. Listen, we'll chat to you next week then. Um, we'll Thanks, hope coming back. We'll get ready for hopefully an All-Ireland final. Wouldn't that be a dream, huh? Lovely. All <laughs> right, Brendan, good All right, Mo, take care, take care. <laughs> yep, Maureen O'Donnell, former right, county bye. star there for a player great wrap-up, and uh, that's given the county a great lift to um, Donegal in an All-Ireland semi-final um, now we're turning attention to the weekend's action in Crow Park I was down at Crow Park at the Talchon Cup on Saturday then Galway against Derry and then on Sunday I actually caught the junior final Kilkenny beating New York and uh, I caught then the massive game of Dublin against Kerry the first up uh, on that Saturday myself and Keon Mackey were covering Galway Derry together but before it is to say, he watched his own county uh, get defeated by Westmeath in the Talchon Cup. And this is how Cian summed it up. Cian, a bit disappointed. Uh, it was a bad day for Ulster. But first of all, the Talchon Cup, uh, your own lads come up short against Westmeath. Yeah, it was a, it was one of them topsy-turvy games. Uh, we, we went into the second half. We were losing by two or three points. And then next of all, we, we, got, the, we got on the front foot and went up by three. And I really, really thought we, ha- we had it in the bag because we were... We were playing with our chests out. We were moving the ball real well, and look at unfortunate that that, that Thomas Galligan late hit uh, on Young O'Toole just kind of swung the game back in the favour of Westmead. But look, at you have to give Westmead credit. They were down and out when we were moving well, and and they just really grinded it out. McCartan at wing forward kicking some monster scores, and and they really just over the course of the game probably deserved it in the end if you look over the whole of the 70 minutes but it definitely be a very frustrating day for Cavan because from under 15 a, an exceptional group of players and, and they'd be very frustrated that they didn't come away with the win Yeah certainly I mean it was a good showing in Ulster and me, me and Donegal know about that game against us the semi-final could have went either way um, Gallagher off do you think that led I mean the Kieran Martin goal right through the centre was an unreal goal disappointed defensively do you think Gallagher being a around there might have been in that central position to help stop it yeah look at it and even the it came from a short kick out you know and when at that stage if Galligan was there it would have been going long Galligan would have been the man to catch it but 
at the stage when Kieran Martin scored the goal you would be hoping that the like of Gallagher would have been sitting back a big physical presence like him look at it he's a huge loss he's an all star you lose a player like him go down to 14 at all without losing Thomas is a huge loss but look at it's one of them games have to have a loser and it was a real exciting game you know it started off a lot of a lot of bad errors and stuff like that but when when lads kind of got the, got their bearings and, and and the nerves probably went out it turned into a real a real a real shootout 213 to 113 you know or, or 214 to 113 like a, a great 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 game for the first Talchin Cup final you know and, and it just shows that all you that late chance from Madden as well for a goal which yeah you know, I, he'd even yeah. forgot about that now yeah yeah like and, and look at a dive and block <laughs> they threw the bodies on the line when they needed to usually Madden is the man that come at the day come at the hour Madden usually is a good man to, to, to finish them goal chances but look it just wasn't meant to be albeit a great year for Cavan they had to get out of Division 4 they'd done that comfortably and they got to the Talchon Cup final frustrating for them not to be getting straight into Sam but look at that just means they have to put the shoulder to the wheel in Division 3 next year and make sure they get out of there yeah, and Mikey just finally everybody happy with Mikey Graham do you feel that he's getting the most from that side because we're just looking at Cavan and they look like they're so close to kind of you know we would be seeing maybe from our man Derry this year maybe just breaking and, and taking out a, a, a top side now I know they obviously beat us in Ulster final a couple of seasons ago but you just think with a, with a drop down down to Division 4 they're building up nicely they've obviously had great underage success at different times you know is there a next step for this team do you think to be made yet yeah look without a doubt and, and Mickey has made great strides people always ask the question about the, the dropping in the league but it was in the middle of Covid it wasn't a full league season you know it just it's one of them things but come championship to be fair they've always they've always come up trumps and, and given Cavan supporters a good run in, in the championship so you can't really say that they're not building potentially one or two extra players coming in would be great but um most of the best players in Cavan are in and are, are buying in and it's it's a good setup to be part of the the fitness and and the the physique of these boys now in Cavan is huge like they're they're known as a huge team now whereas years ago we were a small team do you know so they're building and building that and and if they can kick on and get to the next level that's when they'll be up here hopefully competing in semi-finals and quarter-finals All-Irelands but look at they'll build their way up the divisions and, and hopefully keep kicking on and, and find one or two marquee forwards to add to, to Paddy Lynch and James and, and Oshin Kiernan Yeah great stuff Ken. you're going to Westlife uh, now what's, what's your favourite Westlife song? Ah, look at sir it has to be Uptown Girl <laughs> <laughs> you give us a few bars after <laughs> yeah, maybe after a few beers Ken, Jet, all the best well, you enjoy it enjoy it cheers man Yes, and disappointed Keen Mackey there. Um, that was an opportunity for Cavan to not only won that uh, inaugural Charlton Cup, but also that would have saved them from going into the Charlton Cup next year. They would have been in the All-Ireland proper, even if they're defeated in Ulster, they would have stayed in, in the All-Ireland series. So better work to be done for, for Cavan yet, but well done to, to West Meath. I say after the epic game that was Dublin and Kerry yesterday, I caught up with a former Kerry legend. Yes, I just had the pleasure of watching the All-Ireland semi-final. Kerry defeating Dublin with former All-Ireland uh, winning player and manager Eamon Fitzmaurice. We'll not mention 2014, of course. <laughs> Eamon, we've just seen an absolutely phenomenal game uh, of, of Gaelic football there. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was a, it was a brilliant uh, game. I, I think... I'll enjoy watching it back more than actually watching it live to be to be honest Brendan because there were so many 
you know, at the end there, it, it was um, it was fairly frantic and the dubs really came hard to carry. But thankfully, Shawnee Shea with that kick at the end, it was a brilliant kick and just got us over the line because um, I'd have worried if it had gone to extra time. It looked it looked as if the dubs were getting stronger the, the, the longer the game went on, whereas Kerry were down a couple of bodies. There was a couple of knocks. Fellas were starting to tire. Um, you know, even the likes of David Clifford, considering he had that injury and everything, but he've had extra time in him and we know the way it worked out against Tyrone last year without without him an extra time so um, I was relieved the lads got the job done in, in normal time and uh, we've an All-Ireland final to look forward to now Yeah a big thing to beat the Dubs hadn't happened since 2009 and, and, and Kerry every year coming up waiting to, to get back into this final this game had everything you know penalties black cards you know there was incidents all over the pitch some unbelievable skill and two teams I suppose I mean, even though there was defensive shape in it they were attacking each other all over the pitch they were tackling everywhere you know kick out were squeeze, but not all the time so it made for a brilliant flow of a game and real excitement a packed house here and it was something I hadn't seen a while in football Yeah you're right and the atmosphere and everything it was just brilliant and it was in fairness to Kerry Dublin games they rarely disappoint you know the, the two teams there's massive respect there but there's a massive rivalry there as well and there's a determination obviously on Dur- Dublin's part to keep their foot on, on Kerry's throat because that's the way it's been for the last decade and uh, Kerry were obviously really driven to get over the line and finally beat Dublin in championship for the first time since 2009 so all of those things and when you have such high quality on the pitch and then put the quality uh, with that level of competition and people competing for every ball, every tackle, it really gives us a great contest. Yeah and Jack O'Connor of course this was a sixth semi-final he's won them all. Kerry were probably looking for that extra wee bit of, of I suppose leadership in terms of, of management you know they, they were getting close to Peter Keane but you felt that there was something missing Jack O'Connor's come in obviously won the league at a bit of a canter you know one monster and you just mentioned there about extra time and that did, did Kerry come in here maybe with a, with maybe not the tough games under the belt they would have seen them right into it because they did seem to tire and you know Dubs come at them second half and, and there did seem to be an element of if it did go to extra time it could go Dublin's way yeah and uh, that's a fair point I think that you know when you play those real high tempo championship games it brings on your football conditioning and your you know your high speed conditioning and I think today's game will really stand to carry in, in a fartness when they recover and hopefully all of the bodies will be right for two weeks time um, those couple of knocks that they're nothing serious uh, you know from Kerry's perspective but from the individual's perspective as well because you'd, you'd hate to see anyone missing out in an All-Ireland final because of an injury um, but today will really stand to them and as you said maybe the fact that uh, the the last couple of games they've won quite comfortably they haven't been put to the pin of their, their, their collar in the last quarter and they haven't had to dig into those reserves like they had to today yeah, and just a word. You've been on the line, obviously, very successfully for for Kerry yourself. Just a word on the second half. Would you put that down to Desi Farrell at half time? In terms of, we were talking about how Kerry were counter attacking Dublin more so than vice versa. They were sitting and waiting for the right moment, and then they were kick passing the ball, which is what teams want to do in the second half. Dublin kind of turned the tables on them. Would you put that down to what the management have to do in Dublin at half time? Uh, yeah, and in fairness, going back to my own time coming up against the Dubs, it was one of the things that they were brilliant at. They were very good at fixing. Problems. 
problems at half time. They always use half time very well, and I think you'd have to give Desi Farrell and his management team a lot of credit at half time today. They they fixed a lot of the problems. They really tightened up at the back. They cut down on the space that Kerry were were getting. They definitely upped the work rate all over the pitch to make sure that they were putting more pressure on Kerry coming out of the ball, and that it was harder for Kerry to you know get the head up and get the ideal ball in. So you would give um, the Dubs a lot of credit for that. I think it was harder to play into the hill today just because of that tricky breeze and a, a kind of an unusual breeze from, from the hill today and it made it a small bit trickier but uh, yeah look I mean the dubs they're just they're such champions the, the way that they fought in their backs today led led by fellas who have so many All-Ireland medals the likes of Fenton James McCarthy Kieran Kilkenny in the second half those fellas were the fellas that drove them on obviously then you had the Carmel Costello brilliant goal that really brought them back into the game but the fellas that were driving the whole conversation were McCarthy Fenton Kilkenny and you know what brilliant players they are Great stuff, Eamon. And listen, semi-finals, you don't, you don't celebrate semi-finals in Kerry, right? <laughs> no, we don't, but uh, we might have to celebrate this one a small bit. It's <laughs> long overdue beating the dubs, Eamon, for tomorrow. It's good talking to you. Cheers, my man. You, Good luck Good on the final. Thanks very much. Cheers, Thanks, Brendan. Yes, now as I said on the top of the show, I'm joined by Gaelic Life correspondent and also a proud dairy man, uh, Michael McMullen, to get his views on the weekend's action and an in-depth look at Derry's defeat to Galway. How are you this evening, Michael? Not too bad, Brendan. Disappointed, but the dust settled. The, the dust settling, Michael. Funny it, when I woke up this morning, it. A different views on I know Derry was obviously Saturday but so much was happening in Sunday's game as well there but I'm, I'm trying to take stock of, of the whole occasion we just Michael just previously me and you was down on Saturday at, at the game there and uh, uh, just Keen Mackey we, we, we interviewed before um, the Talchon Cup Michael just we get, before we get to Derry Galway what did you make of, of, of the final of defeat I suppose the competition in general yeah I thought it was an excellent competition uh, at, at the time I was sceptical uh, about it because I was worried about the whole north-south thing about what way they did it I didn't think that was right but the bottom line Brendan the Talton Cup basically depended on how the counties would treat it and I remember interviewing Mickey Graham after Donegal had beat them and he was all very much on we're giving this a, a real go and obviously Westmeath did as well and I think that made an awful difference and uh you know, everybody has a chance to be in the, the All-Ireland series. You know, if you get into Division 1 or, or 2 and obviously get to your provincial final, you've got that passport. But um, I think it's something we probably have to accept that's here now. And uh, both teams on Saturday went all out for it. And I think when you see the scenes at the Westmeath homecoming and even the, the vigour with which we celebrated, I think tells you enough about it. And uh, I think other counties who could be in it next year would look at those celebrations and think, do you know what, that's what we need to do if that's where we find ourselves in next year's championship season. Mm. Do you think, Michael, to start, I know that a couple of down lads come out and kind of, I suppose, rolled it off a small bit. And you can understand there's a few counties out there that have history is maybe a lot greater than where the team's at now. And it might be hard for a few of them to kind of stomach what it is, but it looked like most of the counties that, that, that got in, they'd give it a go and you say the ones that really put put the best foot forward, didn't it? Were, were we, I suppose the Leinster thing, Michael, sometimes do we look at teams because Dublin roll over everybody, we don't maybe give a team like Westmeath maybe enough respect because let's be honest, Kevin could have very easily beat Donegal 
Uh, they looked like they were they were odds on winners going to be there, but yet you know they were they were beat by uh, Westmeath on 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 Saturday. And I suppose looking looking across that, it's sometimes hard to gauge because sometimes teams get a bit of respect in Ulster for putting it up or putting up the one one or the other kind of Division One teams or something like that. But we we hadn't probably given Westmeath a lot of respect going into this game. I well, you're definitely Westmeath are obviously in a very difficult situation. They're in Leinster with with Dublin. And they maybe see this as a as a solace to go and put themselves on, on a different stage. Um, you're talking about Donegal versus Cavan. Like that game was very winnable. And I noticed that Cavan, you know, they brought in a lot of their under twenties to, to give them experience of crazy football. I saw on their Twitter feed they had a management team that amounted to about twenty people between physios and different things. And it's a massive county that were also champions recently, you know, and they would see themselves very much as a top of the table county. So they went at the Talton Cup um, and they could possibly be one of the counties that could have turned their nose off at it and said, you know what, we don't need this. Um, and, it's, you know, and you look at Down's situation where they're in a really sticky position at the moment where maybe historically they were top dogs and maybe they just need to accept where they are right now and go for it. But the other thing, Brandon, and it's a very, very valid one, is America. Um, you know, there's an awful lure to go to America, and it's very difficult to turn that down. You know, if you're in that down panel, and you don't value the Talton Cup, and you want to go to America, and there's a few bob on the table, and other counties the same, it's very difficult to turn it down. And maybe Cavan's overall ambition as a county probably stuck to them. Mm. As, as to how seriously they took it and back to Westmeath um, to be honest I didn't see much of Westmeath all during the season but they were very impressive on Saturday and uh, a, a, a stat on the Sunday game last night they won 23 out of their kickouts all of them basically long, short and the game was going away from them and Kieran Martin came on and took it by the scruff of the neck uh, yeah a left beat journal beside me was saying, uh, take the right option, take the right option. <laughs> and he, he, he certainly did. He, he went through and put it in the net. Yeah. And it was very it was very sore in Cavan at that stage because you're, you're looking at extra time. But, yeah. you know, uh, the games need heroes and, and Kieran Martin was that man. He was indeed. And of course, Gallagher off at that point. And I, wasn't, I know he wasn't in the best of games. Maybe he would have been in that central area. Who's to know? Who's to know? Listen, that was that was the the warm up to the big one, um, uh, Michael. We were, I suppose, on the back of that Clare performance. We we're wondering what was going to happen in this Derry game. Was there going to be an element of of Derry coming to Crow Park and knowing that they had to maybe outscore this Galway team and and the, the colour before it, Michael coming down the road. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal what what Derry have brought to this season in terms of certainly from their support and their fans and and the, and the joy that it's brought. Um, it's the only time I've ever gone off the motorway in my life, uh, Mike. I was just looking, going, no, I ended up coming in uh, through Ashburn there. It was absolute chaos. But listen, that that's what what the county's been infused by, it, Michael. But did you notice, Michael, that there was mad? You know, the crowd were getting pumped before the game, and as soon as the game started, you had this huge lull because I think everybody realised, oh, hold on, <laughs> Galway are going to retreat, and Derry are going to retreat, and and were you surprised how kind of how tactical the game? Uh, was particularly in that first half? Probably not overly surprised. A bit like yourself, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I agree with you, there was huge expectation, huge excitement in Derry. 
But I suppose if you were Galway and looking at Derry against Tyrone, Derry against Monaghan, and Derry against Clare, and seeing what happens when you open it up. Also, when you look at what Donegal did, Donegal murdered Derry, but Derry just found a way to win it. So if you were Patrick Joyce thinking, what avenue are we going to take here? That's what you're going to do. Uh, like he did say in his, his press conference afterwards, there's a sign on the back of the Galway changing room door. It says, find a way. And, you know, they had a scoring average this year, Brendan, of 217 to 211 hmm. over all competitions. And he said that was never going to be the way on Sunday. Sorry, on, on Saturday. Yeah. Derry scoring average 214 to, to, to 111. So they're fairly similar. And it ended up the way it was. Galway were afraid of leaking goals, and rightly so, because if Derry had got a goal, it was nearly impossible to come back. At 3-0, Derry were in a great situation. The atmosphere had died. I accept that, definitely. But I got the feeling Derry have Galway exactly where they want them. Yep. The problem was they didn't take it to 4-5. to five, And it probably was Damien Comer dropping back deep, picking up a few possessions that just sort of kept them there until they got back into it. Yeah, and Michael, listen, I, I totally agree. And we, we were straight away looking to... What was the other worst semi-final in terms of scoring? Of course, we went back to 2011, which obviously had Rory involved in, in the 4-2, Donegal 4-2, up against uh, uh, Dublin. But in terms of the game plan at that point, yeah, Galway really looked completely out of sorts. And at 3-0, as you said, and Rogers at that point, you're like, wow, this boy's nearly in for Footballer of the Year. Um, we, we had a debate before the match, you know, and I was talking to Econ East Gilligan, and, and we on about Rogers picking up Comer. And I was saying that if Comer ends up being 14, that, that McCaig should pick him up because McCaig is a better fullback in there and Rogers gives you more going forward and we were having this debate and we had it again at half-time and, you know, at half-time, I know that there was 4-3 hockey, obviously, that was give give the Galway fans a bit of a, a lift and, and you mentioned it just there, Michael, the lift of such a big crowd for either team was huge and it was huge yesterday as well, how they were putting a bit of energy into the teams but that, that the pivotal goal, Comer's first goal, uh, do you think, Michael, you've been watching Derry and you know them inside out, was McCaig the better man to be in that position one-on-one or, or is that uh, just just one of those bits of brilliance from Comer? I think you have to give Comer an awful lot of credit uh, for what he did. Going into the game, I felt the matchups would have been McCaig on Comer, um, uh, McCluskey, who was excellent, by the way, on I, would, I thought he would have been on Thunderday, and the toss of a coin, Rogers or McKinless on Walsh, that's what I felt it would be. Um, but obviously the management picked what, what you know, they just went down that avenue. But I don't know who would have stopped Comer at that stage. Mm. He, had got, he had got his two first half points. He's very strong. He's, he, you know, he, he's at that centre of gravity where he can go at you. Roger slipped, which didn't help things. Um, but I think you have to give Damien Comer an awful lot of credit, definitely. You know, 2-2. Two, two. Uh, he did cause Derry an awful lot of trouble in the league game. Uh, a game that Shane Walsh didn't play in. Um, but it's hard to say if any of the other Derry defenders would have b- been able to have stopped him. Maybe Gareth McInnes would have been the most physically strong of the defenders, strongest of the defenders, you know, might have been able to, to, to do a job on him. But um, it's always ways looking back on it. But uh, uh, at 7-4, I thought it was going away from Derry, Brendan. The, the, the hockey decision... Was, co- was correct. Uh, I just feel that the GA 
shouldn't be allowed to interrupt the referee at that stage. Yeah. Like, his officials made that call. It was a point. I marked it down on my page, as I did with Conor Lass's one, when I saw that the line was going inside the goalpost. Yes. And then Neil come up. You know, so uh, both those points should have stood, rightly. Yes. And how come there's no how come there's no talk about the glass one then? Um like how was one sorted and one wasn't, do you think, or or, or did they think glasses was wide? Maybe it was because it was so high and difficult to see. Yeah. You know. And th- there was a grey area, whereas the one with Shane Walsh's it was it was a point, like everybody was evident about it and it was probably talked about a lot at half time maybe on the on the on the television. Uh, I did see when the referee was informing uh, the managers after half time that I saw a few of the CCC officials were along with them. So I don't know how that decision came about, but uh, both managers did say that they heard that the point was reinstated after their team talk. Yes. Um, Rory didn't have a problem with it, and obviously neither did Patrick Joyce. But um, I remember the the noise that went up when it went for all. Derry lost the throw-in. Now, they lost the first throw-in as well. But then they went on the attack and they got three frees in a row. Now, this is a lot of ifs in a game that Derry were basically, bar that last goal, were well outplayed. Like, let's face it, they were, you know, there was, the, the scoreline flattered Derry in the end up. But when you go back to half-time and you do stay 4-3 up and you do get the next score, it could make a difference because of the way Derry play. The big factor I felt after half-time was that the three scores that Galway got were from frees. And whenever you get a free, you can basically set up for the kicker immediately. Whereas if it's from open play, the goalie can get a kick off away, sorry, a kick out away, and you're on the attack. You can stretch them, but at, at Galway had their homework done. They closed everybody down. When Derry went long on the two kickouts. Um, Johnny Heaney won one ahead of Niall Toner, which would be a mismatch in terms of size, and Sean Kelly, I think, won the next one. And within seconds, Emmett Bradley was on as a sub, and Big Lynch hit him with the next two kickouts, you know. So that's the fine margins in a game yeah. like that, you know, the way things go, and the goal, the goal certainly ended it, you know, it was over at that stage. Uh, yeah, there was, there was a funny that second goal you would have thought didn't matter at that point, but I suppose we. Young young Murray coming on and hadn't won it. I know it was all very very late then. It just might have left a. There could have potentially almost got the kick of the ball, but but you're right, yeah. I mean, you're grasping at it there. Just Mike, just looking at your thoughts on the. Like it was a tough day for forwards. You know, very hard to be a forward because both teams was packing it out. You know, defenders were to the fore. The Galway defence that we thought wouldn't have been as solid, maybe as there, certainly stood up. I mean, basically all of them played well and. You great distribution as well from from Daly coming out from the back as well. Um, the the difference just in, in this whole game then, Michael, was Comer. We were looking for someone to be the spark that was able to get out of the shackles or get away and, and provide that bit of brilliance. And, you know, we've seen it in, in Sunday's game there as well. You just sometimes have players operating at that different level. And, and, and the game, I suppose, just swung in his performance, really. It did. It swung in his performance. And Shane Walsh's place-kicking... Um, I think Padraig Joyce said somewhere where he hadn't missed a free all year. That's some stat. Gee. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and I would have to say Conor McCluskey was excellent on him. Um, uh, he's played five championship matches this year. Um, his man hasn't scored from play in any of them. Yeah. 
four of them were replaced without scoring and that was a great performance from him but as, as Rory said Walsh is place kicking you know it got them into a winning position and Comer Comer came and hammered it home but you also mentioned John Daly like he, he scored a point he contributed to 1-2 of Galway's tally you know and that was, that was a big input to, to Galway's overall way of looking at things from Derry six points Gareth McInnes was involved in four of them so that was sort of Derry's main passage forward apart from Rogers at the start and obviously Conor McCluskey so um, over the game I think by my records Galway created 216 worth of chances and Derry created 116 worth of chances um, you know Galway getting one shot at the post more but obviously far more economical and, and overall the better team yeah. that you can't complain anything about the margin of about the result but I suppose the hockey thing it could have made a difference but uh, uh, it's all ifs and buts and at the end of the day you have to congratulate Galway on thoroughly deserving their one and that's four ones out of four for Galway over there in championship football so we won't want to see the Maroon Jersey in a hurry <laughs> Michael two, two, two things from the game Michael two big things I think right we, we know that this tactic doesn't work at Crow Park right uh, we've seen it before. We've seen it now. Basically, it's last eight years. I, I would I'll take it back to 2014. Whenever, like I was with Eamon Fitzmaurice yesterday. Whenever um, Kerry had won that replay against uh, Mayo and Limerick, and in the two games, it was quite end to end swashbuckling type football. They landed up. They, they assessed Donegal. They put on a double sweeper. He said, "Right, we're going to play your way. We're going to outscore you," and they did. And I think since then, the teams that have come that have that have gone ultra counter-attack, it hasn't been enough. So that was the first point going into this game. This tactic wasn't going to be enough, and it wasn't. The second big thing, then, Michael, is when Derry then were chasing it, they just became so ordinary-looking. I mean, I really, from from the pre-match hype of this team, I was like, the sky's the limit for this team. That second half, uh, Michael, did, did you really see that kind of life drain out of Derry some way? And there was no... Maybe long ball tactic. There was no kind of second game, and no glass went inside a few times. Nobody kicked it in. And did you really think that Derry all of a sudden became very, very ordinary as a team as they tried to claw their way back into it? Thought they were chasing the game, and that chasing the game is a difficult thing. It was a wee bit like chasing the game against Donegal that day at Clonus. Um, the difference being then that Donegal couldn't pull away. Galway did. Uh, Galway are probably a better version of Donegal in terms of the two performances this year so it was very very difficult to, to come back from that and uh, you know I would sort of agree with you that counter attacking game as much as it's effective it's only effective when you're ahead so um, I think probably that's where Derry's you know uh, were limited a bit on their panel at that stage because if if Ashley McWilliams had been fully fit and Padre Cassidy fully fit it might have tempted the management to maybe start Emmett Bradley, you know, as a either as a kick-out option or maybe as an option inside. But then it's all, you know, it, it gets to the stage where it's always difficult to go away from the game plan that you have. Um, but I would say looking forward into next year, where you're trying to push on that wee bit further, um, Rory and his management team may well sit down and think, well, look, we've got a set of foundations here that have worked. They've got us from been a team that couldn't win championship matches to a team that has won Ulster and you know at an average age of 25.5 is well enough placed to be sort of knocking around championship runs from now on and now it's the stage to maybe do 
with Donegal did in 2012 or maybe throw a, a more attacking side to the thing. But I think long term, Derry is in a good place for Victoria and I'm all there in the inner semi final. My concern, and it's been my concern for maybe five, six, seven years now, that um, I just think that for all the underage development, um, I just I just think that Derry needs to start developing, as I call him, a Michael Langan type player or a Brian Fenton, somebody, you know, long, you know, good rangey player, can pluck a kick out or two, can run at teams. Oshie McWilliams would fit that bill from Derry, but they're not, there's not enough of them. You know, so that's the long term thing. Whenever you've got a decent foundation, like what Derry have now, um, and excitement in the county, I think that's that long term thing that they need, they need to go for. You know, it's very easy to say we need to find another forward to support Shane McGuigan. And that's probably evident as well that, you know, whenever Niall Lachlan and Benny Heron were closed down, like I, don't, I, I think they both, I think they were given the ball twice during the game. You know, Benny dropped one to the keeper and Niall Lachlan put us over the bar. So, but I think it's overall, and it's been, as I say, it's been the last six, seven years I've been saying this, where it's a different type of player we need to start to, to, to develop as well as everything else. Because Derry are at a crossroads right now in terms of where they go. And Brendan, I think the last time Derry were in a position like this, if you bear with me, was 2008. Um, they were National League Division 1 champions. They were in an all Ireland minor final the year before. Um, beat by Galway again. <laughs> <laughs> lost the under-21 final the year before. Ballon Derry lost the Ulster Club final, senior level. Greenlock lost the intermediate final. Lusson got to the junior final. Ballon Derry were Ulster minor champions in Belfast. St Paul's Kilray won an All-Ireland college's title. Uh, St Pius has won an All-Ireland college's title. And that's all within about two years, Brenton, yeah. that gives you a not unbelievable Pedigree, yeah. focus. Yeah. But Derry then slid to Division 4 after that. Derry's now back at that same crossroads. So it's about developing something long term. So if me and you have this conversation in three years' time, that is a completely different one. But as much as I'm really disappointed today and gutted, you know, and it's very easy to say we need to do this and we need to do that. I think that long term thing is where they need to go and basically dust themselves down and get back next year and just maybe add a different dimension to add a different dimension to a team that's got a very, very good base, uh, because I do feel you need it. I think Strong Neil proved it in the All-Ireland Club Series that, you know, they played very well, but you need, a, you need to have a couple of men who can kick the ball over the bar from distance. You know, the last team, the team that really did that was a Hogan Cup winning team, so Pats Mahara, where they had a, you know, I know it's schools football and it's different, but it's just a different maybe dimension onto it, but I'm sure that's something that'll dominate the winter months and discussion, but um, that's where uh, I think things need to go sort of, sort of long term Yeah, listen, still Ulster champions and a great season and winter months when we've got the feet up they'll be in the gym pumping iron These, the athleticism's huge Listen, just a minute to go um, uh, Michael, just wondering your your thoughts on All-Ireland Final just, do you think Galway have enough there? I mean, we've seen Kerry unbelievable at times yesterday but then fading out a bit in the second half and looking a bit human do you think that... Um, this this isn't a foregone conclusion. Derry's going to lift or Kerry's going to lift Sam. It's not a foregone conclusion. Uh, I did tip Kerry to win the All Ireland after the league. Um, I was worried a wee bit that they wouldn't be tested because of the way Munster works for them. Um, Mayo didn't offer them enough. 
Uh, they got their test yesterday, as you saw, an excellent game won by a brilliant piece of magic from Sean O'Shea. Like it was just, it was great to see that. It's great to see a hero stepping up a wee bit, like like Kieran Martin did in the Tottenham Cup. Um, it's not a foregone conclusion, but I do fancy Kerry because I just think they're the best team in the country, and they they they, they were put to the pin of their collar by a damn good Dublin team and passed. Um, but. Uh, I think Galway, Galway will, will, will look forward to going into the final. They're underdogs. They're probably in a decent position, but I still fancy Kerry. But you know, it's not a it's not a foregone conclusion by any matter of means. But I just I just believe they're the best team in the country and, and they'll win the All Ireland. Yeah, first class, Michael. Listen, brilliant ra- r- roundup as ever. There, great in depth look into the weekend's action and particularly our, our, our neighbours in Derry. And listen, you can still celebrate that uh, Ulster Championship. We'll get it back off you next year, Michael. All right. Thanks, Brent. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll look forward to next year. We will. Listen, that's, that's Gillig Life correspondent Michael McMullen. Fantastic work. Catch him there in the, in the paper every week. Uh, doing some great articles. Say, Michael, thank you very much. Um, that wraps up the show this evening. I want to thank Michael there, of course. I want to thank Maureen O'Donnell earlier uh, as Donegal bid for the Ireland uh, final, a semi-final with Meath this week. Of course, our, our uh, interviews with Kian Mackey and with Morris Fitzgerald. I want to thank Kevin Fury for producing Head of Sport, Ocean Kelly. Stay tuned for the tunes, the excellent Monday night sessions. I'll be listening in now. The feet will be tapping. Uh, the lads will take over from here. And I'll speak to you all next week. The DL Debate with Sister Sarah's Letterkenny, serving food you'll love till 9pm daily in Sarah's Kitchen. And there's free admission entertainment every weekend.